Powered by MPB, this is Chalkboard Chat, an MPB education podcast, hosted by Jermaine Flood and Tara Wren. To hear this episode and more, visit education.mpbonline.org or download the MPB public media app to listen on your iPhone or Android device. My name is Angie Gray. I am a 7th and 8th grade math teacher at Hills Chapel School in Boonville, Mississippi. Hi, I'm Ernest Dixon, former educator with the Vicksburg 1 School District in Vicksburg, Mississippi. Hi, I'm Laura Griffith, and I'm a 6th grade language arts teacher at Florence Middle School in Florence, Mississippi. Hi, I'm Khadija Hopkins. I'm currently the exceptional teacher at Shirley Elementary in Jackson, Mississippi. And I'm also the Director of Care Studies Servicing the State of Mississippi. Hello, my name is Amber Young. I'm a sixth grade ELA teacher at Simpson Central School in Pinola, Mississippi. Hey, I'm Dijon Singleton. I'm a teacher at Board Elementary, the Jackson Public School District in Jackson, Mississippi. And I teach English learners K-5. Hello, I am Ella Collier, a pre-K teacher at Ruben B. Myers Canton School of Arts and Sciences in the Canton Public School District. Hi, I am Amber Davis, a second grade ELA teacher at Gary Road Elementary. Jermaine in for Chalkboard Chat. This is our Teacher Appreciation episode. Teachers Appreciation Week this year is going to be May the 3rd through the 7th, 2021. And we are appreciating all of our teachers from across the state of Mississippi for what it is that they do. And this teacher in with me is definitely going to get all of my appreciation. This is Angie Gray. She is a 7th and 8th grade math teacher at Hills Chapel School in Boonville, Mississippi. That's in the Prentice County School District. Ms. Gray, welcome to Chalkboard Chat. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for joining us. I want to know first off, and my audience does too, of course, but how long have you been teaching and what is the story, the journey that led you to pursue a career in education? This is my 26th year of teaching. I just recently received my national board certification and worked with it with one of my coworkers trying to do it. I always knew that I loved math. My family background was not deep in college. So I was one of the first out of my family to go to college and earned my degree. Earned it while working with three children. So it wasn't easy. You have to work if you want it. You're going to strive for it. You have to have determination to get what you want when you want to get somewhere. As a math teacher, how long have you been teaching that subject? 26 years. So the full teaching years that you've been in, you have been a math teacher. So just full disclosure to my audience, math is the subject that scares me to no end. My knees shake. The sweat starts pouring out of the top of my head. As of right now, at the ripe age of 38, I am still afraid. So I'm glad I have Miss Gray on with me to try to smooth out some of this. So tell me now, as a math teacher, what's the reception when it comes down to students? So you've got maybe, I'm thinking half and half who like math or who don't. What have you found in the 26 years? as the math teacher reception that you get. (laughs) As the math teacher, you definitely have students that do not like math, that do not feel comfortable in math. I truly believe you have to have a good background with basic skills 
with adding, subtracting, multiplying, and dividing. And I tell students each year at the beginning of the year, if you can do that, then I can teach you anything. Along with math, I have taught computer discovery to eighth grade and technology foundations and helped write the curriculum for it through the research and curriculum unit at Mississippi State. Now, I'm talking about teachers and qualities that you need to have. What are the qualities that you feel would make you a great teacher? Not you per se, but other teachers. And then what role does professional development play in the grand scheme of all of this? You definitely have to be able to communicate with children. I have taught, as I said, seventh and eighth grade for 26 years. I feel like I communicate well with this level student. Never even dreamed of going to a different grade level. I joke, I have fun with them. I make, I try to make math fun, even though sometimes they say it's not fun. We try to do activities that's going to make it stick with them and, you know, just something to keep them interested with it. And professional development, oh gosh. And even as a math teacher, that's a question that I have. Do y'all do a different sort of professional development that kind of is more geared to what you teach? We do our learning communities within our district, and we share activities that we do. I develop a lot of activities of my own, and I just pull things out of the top of my head a lot of times, and relating it to everyday math skills. It's going to sound weird when I tell you this, but I actually am working with nine of my former students on campus. Oh, wow. That are teachers. That are now teachers. That are now teachers at my school, yes. Wow. Including my principal. That's full circle there for you. That's full circle. It is. So I'm going to go ahead and let that roll into that next question. Tell me now what has been your greatest accomplishment so far with the students that you've touched. Just seeing that full circle moment happen, what was that accomplishment that made you say, yeah, this is why I do it? Well, I remember this one little girl she always told me that I was in her space she says I feel like you're confronting me when you talk to me of course I have a deep voice you know and and a stern voice my my own children tell me I like to scare students and I said no I don't like to scare them I just want to earn their respect and this little girl we had oh she just she would fight me tooth and nail over doing things and years later she came back and she said I want to thank you for not giving up on me then to come back and hug you and and to tell you thank you for everything that you've done for them that's special to me that's the accomplishment good stuff and then you get to work alongside them now and then you get to work alongside of them and have their children I've, I've taught many of their children full circle all the way now tell me how has life been as a teacher during the pandemic I know you all had to adjust pivot on a dime last yes. year when everything kind of just shut down in March of 2020. So how has that transition been? Has there been any growing pains? Any Anything that you yeah. had to kind of yeah. learn? <laughs> Well, it's it's actually funny because being the technology teacher that here for years and then we had I had actually been talking to my principal prior to the pandemic about recording myself, creating a YouTube channel for students who are absent and things like that. And 
you know, the things that I've learned as far as professional development this year, I've been able to take what I wanted to do and actually learn that. When the pandemic first started, I, being one of the being the lead teacher, I helped with the child nutrition drive-through where we fed them and took up packets, and then we had professional development over the summer, building learning Canvas and building a, a skeleton course for everybody in the district, and I helped train our teachers for that. I'm one of these that I can't learn enough. I like to learn new things every day. This stuff is great. Now, what advice would you give to new incoming teachers, and especially math teachers now? <laughs> but what advice would you give to the new incoming teachers that are just now getting out of college and literally, maybe even this year, stepping foot for the first time in the classroom? I would advise them to walk in that classroom like they own it. Don't let the students know that you're afraid of them know your stuff and you are going to make mistakes because we all make mistakes we're human and I'll never forget the my first year of teaching this brings this back we always had an eighth grade party for our students and they would give certificates and we gave them silly certificates one was like I, I remember this particular little girl's hers was a dress code breaker because she was all time breaking the dress code so they They all got together and gave us, the teachers, certificates. And my certificate was Tri's Real Hard Teacher. Oh. (laughs) So, you know, for me to to get that as a first-year teacher from an eighth grader, I felt like I was doing what I needed to do. Yeah. So I don't even have to ask you the last question, which was tell me a story about a student you taught (laughs) that left a memorable impression but that's going to be the one who wrote you that note to let you know that you are a try-hard teacher. So, I that, And then my principal, let me tell you what he does. Now when he calls students into the office, he was actually in my class, eighth grade class, when my youngest child was born. I was expecting with her when he was in the eighth grade. And he became principal of our school when she was in the eighth grade. While I was out on maternity leave, he and some other boys decided that they would get some of my little um, pullback cars that we used to find distance, rate, and time, and stripped stripped the gears in it. So he he has that little car in his desk till this day. That is, and he uses out to students. So amazing to me. Now, have you been at the same school for the full twenty six years? No, I've, I was here. I've been here at Hills Chapel for 25. I left one year and went to Marietta, which is about 15, 20 miles down the road uh-huh. because my son was starting the seventh grade and I thought I needed to be at the school where he was and didn't want to be at the rival school that they would be playing <laughs> in sports. So I went to that school for one year and taught computer discovery. That's where I got started in it after I got my master's. And my former principal just wouldn't let me stay away. She kept on making me. <laughs> right. So, yeah, you've just about been there for the full time. <laughs> now, I don't want to stop your, your flow. I don't want to stop what you do. But do you have an end in sight? Do you see any of that? You don't, don't give it to the students either. Don't tell anybody if you don't. <laughs> no, no. Well, I've considered retirement. You okay. know, um, 
especially during the pandemic, I'm sure many, many teachers have considered it. But the more I look at it, you know, we've overcome so much during the pandemic. The kids have still learned. They may have struggled in some of their standards and the curriculum that we taught them, but they've learned so much technology that's going to carry them for the rest of their high school years and college years. So I feel like we've made an impact there. Yeah, yeah. But I'm doing my maintenance of certification for my national board now. So when I decide to go, I'll go. I guess they say, you know, when the time is right. Right, right. You're the best, Miss Gray. I just... I am in awe of all that you do and all that's in your head. I mean, just to be able to, one, take one of the hardest subjects that I know, of course, two, take two of the grades that are probably two of maybe the toughest grades to teach because it's such a pivotal moment in a child's life, middle school, that seventh grade, that eighth grade year. And you're like, ah, this is, these are the grades that I want to teach. Nothing that looks hard is something that you're not going to do. You know what I'm saying? You're going straight in like, that's the hard thing. I'm going to do it. I want it. And I'm going to love it. And so... I love a good challenge. Yeah, anytime you love math, a challenge (laughs) is nothing. You hear me? (laughs) But it's so much fun. (laughs) If I could love it the way you do, I would just be knocking down doors and taking names. I promise. Gray, Angie Gray, I thank you so much for joining me here on Chalkboard Chat. I hope this week of teacher appreciation is great for you. I hope you just get all the accolades and all the love that you so well deserve, that I know you so well deserve, and I'm just now meeting you, but 26 years as a math teacher, I'm, I'm laying the red carpet out for you, and I am telling you thank you from the bottom of my heart and my Chalkboard Chat family's heart for everything that you do in the realm of education. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. It is a pleasure to teach. It just fulfills my heart. In with me right now is Ernest Dixon from Vicksburg, Mississippi. Ernest, welcome to Chalkboard Chat. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited. I am so glad to have you. How long have you been teaching? And tell me about the journey that led you to pursue a career in education. So I have been teaching seven years in the public school district, K through 12. And I've done two years of student teaching at Heinz Community College up under the leadership of Dr. Barbara Blankenship. She gave me my first opportunity to follow along with her just to see, hey, are you sure this is what you want to do in life? And of course I did. It started early recently. One of my assistant teachers from kindergarten passed, Judy Woolley. And that broke my heart. I went to Cedars Elementary School in Pittsburgh. And so my kindergartners played a tremendous role in the path that I took. Those teachers were so innovative. I was going to post earlier and just, you know, remind people to go beyond, you know, go out of the box. I can remember when it was time for nap time, they had a tub in the classroom full with stuffed animals and pillows, you know. But I really enjoyed because they set a behavior kind of challenge for us. You know, you're good. You're doing what you're supposed to do. Da, 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 da. We're going to choose some kids' names out of the bowl. We're going to put your name in the bowl. And maybe you'll get, you know, a chance to sleep in the, you know, nice tub. And we didn't have to take a nap. We could just be in there with stuffed animals. And it's so crazy that it's that moment for me 
that made education come alive. They transformed what I thought I wanted to grow up. I can remember writing down, I want to be an astronaut, I want to be an engineer, or these things, you know, when you're younger, your parents start putting these things in you. But in kindergarten, I knew I wanted to be an educator. I knew I had a beautiful voice, so I knew I wanted to sing. And so I do sing, but I knew that's what I wanted to do. I can remember receiving an award for Teacher of the Year, my first year being certified. And someone asked me, what do you think this is your calling? And I said, yes, this is a God-given talent. And I still agree with this. I know that this is what God asked me to do. And so that's what I'm doing. But I am so thankful for all of my teachers. I don't want to miss anybody. But those two women there, they know they mean the world to me. They do. Now, when it comes down to qualities, maybe, that you think are important to possess to being a great educator and a teacher, and then what role does professional development play in all of that? So, you know, it started off early and you revert back to childhood. I remember the golden rule. You know, treat others the way you want to be treated. And you really have to take those same type of principles or those qualities when you become an educator. I can state now that I've completed some courses in my degree where I was a toxic educator. And I I realized that creating that rapport with students, creating those reports with your teachers, your community, you shape a whole world. You know, when you think about, yeah, your name is outside of the door and yeah, you have full autonomy of what goes on in your room. But what about outside of it? What about the lives that you can change? I believe that education is a ministry. You know, it goes beyond of what comes out of the textbook. It's for the qualities. One, you got to love yourself so that you can love others. You got to be educated. In other words, yeah, you got to go to school so that you can continue to get the knowledge that you need to obtain because life change. And I can tell you from going through school and now, oh my goodness, you, and you touched on professional development. It's necessary that you do not get so stagnant in what you learned. There's a quote, and I can't remember to it the fullest, but it states about we're lifelong learners. And education and educators, you're lifelong learners. It never stops. I think that's why some school districts develop the CEUs that you have to you know, obtain in order to get recertification, things like that. It's necessary. Anyone who could tell me that reading a book is not necessary, I would tell you that you're wrong, you know? And so we don't need to perish. We, we need to continue to be educated. So the PD is very much so necessary. Those are some of the qualities that I have to give out. Now tell me a story. Was there a student that maybe that touched you or that you taught who had issues during the pandemic? And maybe what did you do to address that? And you can take your time. Okay, so I wouldn't I wouldn't technically say that there was a student, you know, that touched me. I treat all my students the same. Yeah. Um, former volleyball um, coach, former soccer coach, um, men of God. And, and so it's, again, it's ministry for me. You coming in, I'm trying to see what's going on with your date before you hit your head is down before you walk in the door. What's going on with you? You want to talk? I, I even went as far as having a little snack jar. 
uh, you know, you need a little snack. You might not have had breakfast before you came. I'm, I'm looking at all those things. So I couldn't say that because of the pandemic, I went a little bit further. I think that the pandemic um, maybe loosened some of the strictness. You know, a family might not have internet access. So why are you assigning homework? You know, <clears throat> they, they're, they're unable to, you know, to, to get um, to that or, or whatever. Or um, some students, you know, for example, had that responsibility of looking after their younger siblings, you know, virtual, you know, virtual learning. They're not right. at school, so they're, right. they're at home. And so I think compassion, you know, uh, and understanding um, pulled into play. You know, when you bring up, when they come to school and they're all decked out in their shirt and they got their hair cut, it gives you a different facade. And I, I will tell you, yesterday my beard was a little bit more shabby than this. So if I would have done this podcast on yesterday, you'd say, who was that bad? You know? <laughs> you know, and I just have to be honest. Sometimes yeah. when the student comes in uh, to the room and if they, they could give off a persona, um, of we got it together. But when they go back home, you never know what they have going on. And some educators and people in life, not just even educators, people in life, uh, not label, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And so I will say that this time has allowed me to really focus on the benefits uh-huh. of life uh-huh. and to be a little bit more understanding and caring owed me I'm just t- and my my students would tell you this I remember my last year of teaching uh, a young lady did a video on the top 10 things that you want to make sure that you do um, in Mr. Dixon class she said number one do your homework because he gives he counts off five points every day is late I'm I'm just <laughs> what <laughs> number two I meant what I said about number one <laughs> <laughs> it brought, I mean, it, it just it did something to me, and I and I taught digital media at the Academy of Innovation. Yeah. It was world changing, um, brilliant, young minded um, innovators and coaches. I used to tell them all the time, I feel like y'all teaching me. I just serve as a facilitator, and of course, it, it was like illumination. The light bulb was just going off. Your light bulb go off, my light bulb go off. We just make it shine bright in this thing. But um, yeah, those are some things that I would say. Yeah, that's good. And then tell me now, it is said that students benefit when the student population is reflected in their educators, but the demographics sometimes differ between the students, the counselors, and the teachers all in the same school or in the same school district. So how do you as an educator address this to ensure that no student feels left behind? This is an interesting question, but I only say it's interesting because I taught U.S. history. I'll say this, and I hope this answers. Educators across the globe are needed. But I live in a community where the demographics and the socioeconomic status gears to the Black, African-American, ethnicity, and so forth. It is what it is. They need to see more of us. They need to see more of me in the school. And one thing that I love is that I've never moved into a position where I said, hey, 
I want to be the authoritarian. I want to be the disciplinarian. Because I think that somewhere in the education system, and I'm going to get in trouble, but I, I like to speak the truth. Nevertheless, the the Black man is not to do the discipline. You know, we're not meant to just be moved up to the administrator to handle the discipline issues in the school. And I think that sometimes that's the misconception. Some of us are great educators. Yeah, push us to the next level. I'm all about that. I'm all about progression and empowerment. But I honestly think that sometimes we miss the mark because there's some education and instruction that is necessary only in the classroom that the teacher can do. When you pull me out of the classroom and move me into administration, not that I change, but some policies and procedures change. And so what a student would get and the benefits that they would get from being in a class with someone that looks like me differs when I'm now your principal. I will say, and this is a call out for all young men who are in education, we need more men in education, not just the ones who want to be coaches. That's the stereotype. I mean, the men are the coaches. We're going to teach history. We're going to teach math. Wait a minute. You know, there's we have some other good qualities. Don't just filter us or place us into this one box. I think that we really produce some benefits for not just students of color, but for all demographics. When I tell you... Oh, I love teaching at the Academy of Innovation because it was multifaceted in the sense that it didn't matter. You know, I finally worked at a school where I could definitely say the ratio of educators, shout out to Dr. Jason McKellar, had black teachers, white teachers, male, women. It was what it needed to be. And you don't see that a lot. I'm not saying Vicksburg One School District has it wrong. I'm just saying that in other places, it would benefit to spread that love. We call it a melting pot in history. But I definitely feel there's a call for all educators, but especially young Black men who are really interested in this movement, illumination. You know, sharing what you love, you know, what someone poured out into you. Again, my loves, my kindergartner teachers, they were Caucasian. So that's why I say we play a huge part in changing the lives. You think about it. You go through K-12, through and then later on you get a degree as an engineer. Well, who helped you on that journey, teacher? To be a doctor, you got to be educated, you know, from, from a teacher before you start cutting people and getting the big dollars. Even though we're still underpaid, and I feel like we help everybody get to where they're supposed to get, but that's economics. Now, as a former educator, tell me about your greatest accomplishment when you were teaching. What was that? Getting certified. So when I was at Hans, I served as a residence director. So I control the men's residence halls. But I knew that there was a calling. And so I accepted the call. And everyone was like, I can't believe he's leaving. And I couldn't even, I just tell the truth. But I didn't have a license, but I tried to figure out how in the world where I'm gonna start. So I actually started at Bovina Elementary. Shout out to Mickey Ginn. I love Mickey Ginn. She knows it too. And the Bovina family, I don't know them. But she hired me as a PE assistant coach. I don't know why. I just was like, why would you need to that? But I was grateful and still am grateful for the opportunity. I remember that year they moved the paper assessments to online assessment. And 
we didn't have a computer lab. We were assigned to also provide intervention, like students who were struggling, we were providing intervention. So one day I was like, listen, how about I do a computer lab? And so I moved from the assistant to the computer teacher. That changed my life forever. But it's 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 those moments, you know, being getting certified and getting teacher pay for the first time, being certified on a junior high level, but they voted me in and they decided that I was demonstrating something that they found to be excellent. I still find that to be remarkable because that's the educator that I promised myself that I would be. I would be that person for my former educators. You know, I really believe in what they instilled into me. I want to be that person. I want to be that educator where you know that there's something that you possess that others need, whether that's a first year teacher, third year teacher, new student, you know, I, I want to be that. So that's my accomplishment. I'm sure there's other accolades, but being certified and really sticking to my education journey is, is what I would say my best answer. Well, congratulations on that accomplishment. Thank you. <laughs> now, last words of advice for any new teachers. My advice would be keep the passion. I mean that because sometimes uh, you can get burned out. And then there's a stage of fear that sets in as well. It's your first day. And I'll, I'll agree with this statement a little bit, but so I'll say it. It was advised that you stay strict, you know, and some people stay strict the whole time. But let loose a little bit, you know, stick with your ethics, you know, stick with the morals and your ethics that have been deemed necessary as the educator. But nevertheless, remain and keep that passion because that is what will continue to drive excellence. And I think that people have missed their excellence because of what other people have deemed for them. So keep that passion. And, and when you do that, that will multiply and that will continue into something that's so profound. Even though I'm not an educator anymore in the classroom, I still continue to educate every day. You'll find if you keep that passion, newbies, if you keep that passion, it's not going to just stop with you. It's not going to just stop in your classroom. It's going to go out into the community. So those are my wishes for you. Laura, welcome to the chat. I am so glad that you are here with me on the chat today. Thank you, Jermaine. I'm really happy to be here and I'm excited uh, that you asked me to be here. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. So congratulations, first off, on your new appointment. I wanted to go ahead and let them know you'll be moving from Florence Middle School into North Resurrection Middle School. So congratulations on your new appointment this fall. I want to let my audience know about how long you've been teaching and maybe what was some of the passion behind what pushed you into the profession. I've been teaching uh, 16 years. I didn't always think I was going to be a teacher, but ever since I've been young, I've always been involved in teaching or education from vacation Bible school to Sunday school. When I was in college, I was an assistant teacher. So it's always been something that uh, was on me. You know how sometimes you try to run from your purpose, but you know, when it's your purpose, you have to do it. You have to walk in it. So my family, both sides of my family are educators. I have teachers and administrators on both sides. So it's my purpose. That's what led me to it. God led me to this profession. It was something that I could not get out of. And 
I'm excited and I do enjoy teaching. We have our ups and downs, but I do enjoy teaching. Now tell me what qualities maybe that you deem as important to possess in being a great teacher and maybe what role does professional development play in the grand scheme of things in developing yourself as a great educator? Some of the qualities that I think you should have uh, to be an, an effective educator, I would say you have to be patient. You, you really have to be flexible. You have to be understanding. Those things are very important, not only dealing with students, but dealing with parents, other age educators that you come in contact with. So you really have to be understanding a whole lot to walk in this profession. Professional development plays a large role in education. It's a time for other educators to come together and collaborate, bounce ideas off of each other. You know, we all need each other. One teacher may do something differently in the, from the way that I do it. And so I may say, oh, okay, well, I can, I can take this approach. I can see their perspective as to how I can approach, whether it's a new way to teach the standards, whether it's what books I should be reading in my classroom. So professional development is definitely needed. And I can say this about Rankin County School Districts. They are really big on professional development and they make sure that teachers have what we need in order to be successful in the classroom. Yeah, good stuff, Rankin County. Of yes, course, I'm an alum. <laughs> I'm an alum, so you know I'm going to give one big up to Rankin County about yes, that. So thank absolutely. you, Rankin County, for preparing the teachers to prepare students like me. Absolutely. <laughs> so I want to go ahead and get into this next question. Now, this question has more to do with the pandemic, so I want to know exactly like how was the shift coming from traditional teaching going into the pandemic? Was it hard on you? Did you find out? You know, you may needed a couple more things that you may have needed to learn to be able to make this happen. How was that transition? The transition, I would say, was not easy, but it wasn't as difficult as I thought it was going to be. Again, Rankin County is really big on technology, and we incorporate that into our classrooms on a regular basis anyway. So I think the transition for me was the hardest part was the mental side of it and not being able to be in the classroom with the students on a daily basis, missing those high fives and those hugs and, you know, being able to interact with the children in the building. So that to me was the biggest obstacle during the pandemic. So we we did reach out to our students, you know, virtually. At first, it was more of a mental check-in. How are you? You know, how are you coping with what's going on? Because it was a lot for our students to deal with. It was like, hey, we went on spring break. We're not coming back. You know, it was like, okay. But we were still able to connect with our children on the mental end as well as the academic end. So I am thankful for that. Again, that they we had those things in place just in case. How'd your students respond? Did you get a lot of students who were like, okay, I'm game for this? Yeah, but some students, it was out of their hands as far as what they had access to, mm-hmm. you know, if they didn't have access to technology. Then it was uh, a hassle if we were doing things online, but we made sure that they were able to get paper copies of things or books that they needed. They did reach out a lot, and I was surprised with them being sixth graders. They would email me 
Uh, they would even ask, you know, how I was doing or if they didn't understand something, they would send messages or whatever. So they they really stepped up to the plate during the pandemic. And, you know, they they did well. I was very proud of them. Tell me a story about maybe one of your most memorable students that maybe you've had that just stood out to you. And of course, you don't have to use names, but maybe one of the most memorable situations that you've had with a student. Oh, there are so many that's hard to <laughs> to choose just one uh there was a time where I had a student because some of the students when they first meet me it's like oh man she is me you know <laughs> so but it's not that I'm mean I'm strict yeah. and I love my students and I want to see them do well not just in my classroom but yeah. in life you know I try to I get my little sermons in here and there. I say, okay, we're going to pause and I'm going to give you some life lessons. Yeah. So at the end of school one year, I had a student to write on the board and I'm probably, I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember exactly how she put it, uh-huh. but she was like, at first, Miss Griffiths may come off really mean, but I know she really loves us and I appreciate her for that. It was something to that effect. So to me, when the students realize that what I'm doing, I'm doing from my heart, and I'm doing it because I love them, that's that's big for me. And I I would have to say, I I gotta give you another one. When I have students that are not really readers, they may struggle, they may be dyslexic, and they find that one book that maybe I introduced to them or that they get from the librarian or a fellow classmate, and they start to enjoy reading. They get over that hurdle of being scared to read because of what they're facing with their reading. And they read one book and then they read another book. So that to me is a big deal too when you have students. It's not always the straight A students. It's not always the students who are involved in everything, but those students who don't normally get involved or who are not normally recognized, when they find something that they like, and you know they feel like, hey, I can do this. That that's really important to me. Now tell me now, Laura, about your greatest accomplishment so far as a teacher. My greatest accomplishments really come from my students. When they come back, when my we have sixth, seventh, and eighth grade on the same campus at Florence Middle School. And when I have students that leave sixth grade and go to seventh or eighth grade, and they come back to see me, they come back just to say, hey, between classes, they come back to ask me to come to the football games or come watch them cheer or dance. That to me is an accomplishment. My first group of students that I taught at Florence Middle School are seniors this year. And for the parents to uh, keep in contact with me and tell me how their students are doing and the awards and the recognition that they're receiving, to me, that's accomplishment because I feel like I've gone beyond just the teaching. And again, that plays into that family and the community that I want my um, students and parents to know that I want to have that connection with them. To me, that's an accomplishment. What advice would you give a new incoming teacher just getting started out, maybe just now graduating from college? What sound piece of advice can you give them to help them along on their education journey? I would definitely tell them not to give up. It's going to be hard the first few years. If you have to go home and cry in the shower by yourself and go to bed as soon as you get home, 
do that, but don't give up. The children need us. They need somebody to fight for them. They need people in the classrooms that care about them, their education, their well-being. And, you know, like I said, it gets hard, but you can't give up. They need to surround themselves with strong educators. And they don't have to be educators that have been teaching for a long time, just other educators that have a passion for what they're doing so that they're not around a lot of negative talk. They need people around them that are uplifting and that can give um, sound advice and walk through it with them. Yeah, you need a strong support system and you have to make sure you take care of yourself. Welcome to the chat, Khadijah. It is so great to have you here on the chat with me today. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. We are so excited to be able to celebrate you Let's go ahead and jump into it. Go ahead and tell my audience how long you've been teaching and also tell us maybe about the journey that led you to pursue a career in education. So this is my second year as an exceptional ed teacher. I actually started off as a substitute teacher and I found myself loving it. I I love to sub. I love to teach when I went to sub. And so every school that I went into, I saw as a different opportunity to learn something new and I subbed K through 12, so every grade. And during that time, it gave me the opportunity to get to know what I was good at, which level I should work with. And I fell in love with the students. I love to help them. And I really love exceptional ed because when I first started teaching full time, I noticed that the background I had within psychology really helped even with learning disabilities and getting to know students within their weaknesses. I always thought that it would be easier to help those that are, I guess, per se gifted. But what I learned was that I just felt such a purpose within special education and just helping students that needed extra support. And I found myself being able to relate to them. And I love it. I love helping children who need extra support and need that extra push within their services. It takes a special kind of teacher and an individual to be able to do what you do. So thank you for what you do with the students that you do it with. And tell me now, as an exceptional teacher, you know, what are some of the challenges maybe that you face and some of the rewards that you get? Challenges, I would say, well, first I'm I'm an inclusion exceptional ed teacher, so I pretty much have to see students within the general ed classroom a lot. So I'll work with a lot of students who are in the general ed room more than 80% of the day. And what I notice is that the intention within inclusion is for students to not feel isolated. So they're within the classroom with other students and they don't fit into that stereotype of special ed with them being different per se. So the challenge would be so just trying to make sure that these students are actually blending, but still getting the services that they need. And my approach with it, I've really tried to just get to know all students and not just exceptional ed students. And when students see that you care, like you have a sincere care for them, they try to listen more. Even within students that we may have behavior issues with, they calm down a little bit easier with teachers that they notice that sincerely care about them. And that's what I try to do. I try to just pursue purpose within all my babies. And I call them babies, even though they're in elementary. 
I still see them as babies and I call them babies still, but I try to do that within my tutoring services as well. So it specializes, but not limited to exceptional ed. So I see different type of children within the business and they know that I sincerely care about them. And um, also the support from the parents that helps. That's so rewarding. Just knowing that the parents know that I care for their babies. And I feel like that's one of my biggest rewards is knowing that the parents know I'm like another parent for them. And it's like when I'm serving them academically, they have something else to go along with it. And that's just sincere care. And yeah, I would say that that would be my biggest reward, knowing that I have babies that know that I care about them. That's so sweet, Khadijah. I love the babies. I used to call my college work-age students babies, so don't feel bad about calling babies babies. That's so funny. Now, it's so great that you talk about, you know, your passion for these kids. What qualities do you feel are important to possess in being a great teacher? Like for other teachers that maybe are new to the profession, What qualities do you feel are important to possess and what role does professional development play in helping to mature these qualities? As far as qualities to be a good teacher, one, and this is just something I had given myself at the beginning of the school year, and I was determined to pursue purpose within it. And so knowing that everything that I do for these students is for a purpose, because especially with this whole virtual age right now, we came against a lot of opposition. And so you have to have something to hold on to during that time just to know what I'm doing matters. And it is not all pointless. And I feel as though professional development could really help by letting teachers know that this is for a purpose. And I've helped with PDs and one thing I learned, like my greatest takeaway is that teachers need something that they can apply within their building. It's not enough to just go over things that maybe the district has given you to go over, but we need to be able to apply those things. So I've just learned that application, something that these teachers can hold on to apply within themselves and also to the students. And so with professional development, I would say that these teachers and including myself, and I and I remember just blatantly saying, you all, I want to be able to just give something that actually helps. And I want to be able to relate. You know, I want us to be able to come away from a PD and know, okay, I have something that I can use. And so I would say always being relatable within teaching and also to our students. Now tell me a story maybe about a student that you've taught that left a memorable impression on you. He's actually within care studies and I remember tutoring him one day and he was going over the lesson. We were going over a specific skill and by the end of the lesson, he paused and he he said, Miss Bold. And I was wondering like, what's what's wrong? What is what's going on? And he literally said he was he was basically just trying to explain to me that what I was trying to show him was not at his pace. And it was actually a message for me. And that was so profound to me because while I was trying to help him, he was actually helping me with something within my life. And I paused and I took it and I just stared at him and I was like, 
oh my goodness, he is like really helping me within my life, right? And he had no idea. Well, he had not, but he was helping me by explaining something uh, about his skill that he didn't know concerning his pace. And I received it within helping me, but of course it helped me to assist him academically. But it was really profound because when he spoke, he was speaking into my life. And I was like, wow. Like, <laughs> like that's how I know. Like, just education is just for me because it, it's not just me serving these babies, but they help me in so many different ways. Like, they just, they help me in so, these babies really do help me be a better person. Like, and it's not just about making sure they have the right grades for me, though academics are extremely important, but I'm concerned about their overall health and their overall being, and they, in return, do that for me. So sweet, Khadija. I love it. You're the nicest teacher ever. I needed you to be mine. (laughs) (laughs) Nicest teacher ever. Now, I want to get into, since you had mentioned it, care studies, your tutoring service, what has been your greatest accomplishment so far? One with teaching and two with opening up your own tutoring service. So honestly, when I started, I started this towards the middle of the pandemic, I would say. And it was really, I was inspired because during the virtual time, I was thinking, well, maybe I can just do something virtually and I could just have students online. And it started from just having students on Zoom to house visits and I'm doing a summer camp virtual through one part and field trips on the other half. And so I feel like right now my biggest accomplishment has been within the business itself is having this summer camp established because I didn't know how this summer would look given COVID guidelines and everything. And I'm looking forward to having my babies together because right now I've only been seeing them one at a time. And I've also had to turn down some clients because I work full time. So after this year, I'll be able to do my business full time. And I'm really excited about that. And so I'll be able to give so much more time to CARES and take on those students that I wasn't able to take on during the school year. But I would say as far as the business, having this summer camp established, that has been my greatest accomplishment. I've been doing this less than a year on my own and I am just so excited. I I did not expect for things to grow this soon. I started on a Zoom and then I did a few house visits and now I'm about to do a summer camp. And so I'm really excited. It's, it's going really well. And I really just have to give all glory to God because I couldn't have done any of this on my own. I had no idea that I could have something on my own. And I remember time I would have been just so scared. I would have been just terrified to try to do anything by myself, you know. But it's going really well, and I'm really excited about this summer. It's really hard to find kids that want to do anything outside of social media. So to go on these field trips and just to explore the state, I'm really excited. And also, I know that they'll get the academic support that they'll need during the summer. I know they'll need it because we've been virtual, and that's taking a bit of a toll. So they'll get that extra support this summer. Now, if anybody wanted to learn more about care services, is there a website or somewhere or contact information that you could give them for that? 
Yeah, my website is carestudiesedu.com. In with me right now is Amber Young. She's a sixth grade ELA teacher at Simpson Central School in Pinola, Mississippi. Amber, welcome to Chalkboard Chat. Thank you. You are so welcome. Let my audience know how long you've been teaching and tell me about the journey that led you to pursue a career in education. So this is my ninth year teaching. I started off teaching in Hazelhurst City School District. I ended up going into that school district through Teach for America which for anybody who doesn't know is a two-year teaching commitment in a school that needs teachers. And so they put me in Mississippi and I taught there. And then I was one of the founding faculty members of Midtown Public Charter School, one of the first charter schools in Mississippi. And I'm now in my sixth year at Simpson Central teaching sixth grade ELA. That's good. Now tell me when the aha moment hits you. Like, okay, this is the profession I'm going into and this is the reason why. So I would probably say fourth grade. I was one of the bad kids in school. I was the one that got in trouble, who got sent to the principal, who got the notes written home to parents. And my fourth grade teacher, his name was Mr. Anglin, and he took all of my excitement and all of my extraness, I guess, and he had me help him grade papers. He had me help him give spelling tests, and he channeled that energy for me, and I realized that every kid whether you think they're good or bad they have potential and it is a teacher's job to bring that out of them and so I thought that I didn't want to be a teacher for a while because unfortunately teaching doesn't always get the most positive reputation in the world and I fought it but it's the only thing that made sense for me to do and so I tried to take that vision into my classroom to remember that no matter what a student's history is They deserve a chance at a fresh slate and a chance to be the best that they can be. Now, what qualities do you feel are important to possess in being a great teacher? And what role does professional development play in your scheme of you being a great teacher? So I think that you need to have two things. You need to have a relationship with the students. And then you also need to over plan. Because if you have any downtime in the classroom, that is when students are going to take advantage of it. And that's when you get, I think, a lot of your discipline issues or students not having or not having the management in the classroom that you need. Professional development is extremely important. And it doesn't even have to be like a school mandated professional development or one that you go to be like finding things that work. So I know for me, anytime we have a school led development or we have a district wide professional development, I'm taking notes. I'm that person asking the questions. I'm that person writing the stuff down because I find it valuable and I find it useful within my classroom because I think that the moment that we think that we don't need any more professional development is the point that we kind of lose our magic in the classroom, if you will. So I think that the relationship building is very important with the students because if the students don't know you care, they're not going to care about what you're saying to them. And then again, of course, like education's changing every day, especially this year. And so having that professional development and using the things that you're taught, whether it be school-led, district-led, or you-led, because you go out there and you find things that you need to do to help you better your craft, it definitely helps you be the best teacher you can be. Now, how has life been as a teacher adjusting to the new normal of the pandemic? Was there any growing pains in that for you or even the students? So for me, definitely. I thought I need technology and then this year happened and then I realized that I had a lot to learn. I think the students have handled it better than the teachers have. 
they have come in and they have rolled with the punches. We use Google Classroom for our platform and the students have come in. They have taught me things this year. I'm like, oh, Ms. Young, did you know that you could use this app and you can like edit your work? And I was like, no, I didn't. And so they show me that. And so for me, definitely there's been some learning pains, but it's been gross. I mean, it's been good. Like this is going to be education, I think, moving forward. And so instead of trying to fight it, it's better to just embrace it. And so we've had a lot of professional development. We are working to become a Google certified district. And so we have a lot of experts at our school now. I am not one of them and I'm learning to be, and that's okay. But the students, they have rolled with it. They have been so flexible and just taking the punches as they come. They've done really great with it. What has been your greatest accomplishment so far as an educator? What's that moment that stood out in your mind and you said, this is why I'm here? So for me, it has been different students. It has been students who maybe came in and didn't have a positive outlook on themselves in school. And by the end of my class, they've learned to love reading. I've had parents come back and tell me that their child never read before and now they're wanting to read during the summer. And for me, that's the most important thing. It's not so much what can I teach them in the classroom, it's teaching them that love of learning when they leave. And then having students come back and say that I help reading be fun for them. That has been the biggest thing for me. There was a student I had a few years ago who didn't really want to do any work. And for whatever reason, he worked in my class and he was able to, he passed a state test, something that he hadn't done. I don't think previously at all. I don't, I don't think it mattered to him. And so that was something that showed me that something I did in the classroom, I can't pinpoint exactly what it was, but something that I did impacted him and made him want to do and want to do more than what he had done previously. What advice now would you give those new teachers entering into the profession? So first of all, you need to know your why. Why are you going into this? Because especially those first few years, you're going to question, you know, if this profession is right for you, you're going to question it. And so remembering your why and having that, and then also recognizing that you're still learning and it's okay. And finding those mentors in the school who will be there and who will support you and asking them all the questions. I tell new teachers all the time, ask me the questions because I'd rather you ask and let's figure it out together then you not ask and you struggle through by yourself because this profession is one where you meet people and and you've got to recognize that everybody is still growing it doesn't matter if you've taught for five years or you've taught for 50 years you're still learning and so again know your why because on the days that it gets hard that's going to be important to remember and then recognize that you don't know everything and reach out and find out what you need to know Right now in with me, I have Dijon Singleton. So Dijon, welcome to Chalkboard Chat. Class is now in session for you. In session, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Now, how long have you been teaching? Well, if I tell you that, I tell you I'm a true age. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I don't want to lie to the people just yet. Just yet. Yeah. (laughs) I have been teaching approximately right at eight years. I guess I can include student teaching while I was at Jackson State. So yeah, right at eight or nine. Okay, okay. Now, when you first started going to Jackson State, you went for teaching, correct? You're just yes. it. Now tell me about the rest of the journey that led you to pursue a career in education. Then I have to take you back. When I got to Jackson State, yes, I, I fully committed to teaching, pursuing a career in teaching. But when I was at Hines, 
I changed my major three times, three times. I think I did business administration, even dental hygienist, and I forgot the third one. Oh, I was a music major, but none of those I was just continuing to like, and I knew my calling to be a teacher, I was just running away from it. And until it slapped me in my butt and I had to uh, sit down, I had to sit out a year actually at Heinz. And that's when I came to Heinz in Utica. I committed to Lord. I said, okay, Lord, I got to finish school. I was a year out from graduating. I was like, Lord, I got to finish school. I said, okay, fine. You want me to teach? I'll teach. <laughs> and lo and behold, I made that commitment. I was getting connect from high school to college. Some of my teachers reached out to me. They were like, we haven't seen you. Are you finished? And I was like, well, I'm in some debt, but I know what I'm going to fix it, how to fix it now. And so I got in touch with Dr. Bobby G. Cooper, and he gave me a full-ride scholarship in music. <laughs> so you see how that worked. I was trying to run from music and still ended up being a part of it. So that's how I got into being a teacher. See, yeah, it, it was. Okay. Now I want to to let you know I talked to Ernest Dixon, who told me he was a former teacher for you. So, yeah. what teacher in your past? And it doesn't have to be Ernest. You don't have to suck up to Ernest. You know what, Ernest <laughs> has made the biggest impact on your life. <laughs> First of all. I think Ernest, we call him Rail. He needs his own school. First of all, <laughs> he was. He great. needs his own school because Rail is the type of person I, I know I can't get enough of. You know, he's just got too much joy. He has too much. He just got too much of everything, and you just can't get enough of it. So, Rail. He needs his own school. I will go out and try to help fund it if I can. <laughs> I I call all the people with the money. Hey man, we need some money for rent to get the school for. <laughs> but it's one teacher I would say I'm practicing. Uh, she was my third and eighth grade teacher. I kind of still dislike her, but <laughs> for this reason, I'm about to say, but. She had my best interest in heart, and when she was my teacher, her name was Pam Collins, but it's Pam Julian now. And the reason I dislike her because she became good friends with my mother. And so every time I cut up in class, she'll sneak and send my mom a text message. I'm like, man, you want to go warm that you're going to call my mom? <laughs> So you just got my mama up here. You didn't say that? I'm like, all right. But she made sure that I had everything that I needed. You know, even though I, I, I cut up so bad, I wasn't that bad in school. I just talked. If I got done with my work, I just talked. Yeah. But she made sure that I had everything that I needed while I was in school. But the top tier one is Dr. Bobby G. Cooper. He's my professor at Heinz in Utica. Uh, he was the choir and gospel choir director. And, and I say that man 
poured out not just his heart but his wallet to each student and that that's just amazing so those two people are a top tier for me and then Ernest is in third and then Ernest he needs his whole 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 school (laughs) too funny now tell me what advice would you give to newbie teachers coming into education right now they're just now getting out of college um they're going in what is one of the most important pieces of advice that you could give them to definitely pace yourself definitely know the vision of your school know the vision of your principal because you don't want to go in there on your own realm thinking oh i'm gonna do this i'm gonna i'm gonna have this doing this and that's really not the vision that your principal has so when you go in, always pace yourself and know the background you're going into. Because if you, like me, when I first got uh, started teaching, I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And it got shut down. <laughs> and I was in my feelings because that wasn't the vision and the mission my principal was on. You know, even though we both had good positive vision. I just didn't share her vision and where she wanted to go. And I was I was a little bit ahead of her. And so she was like, no, 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 bring it back. This is where these kids are. So you need to work them up to that. And then you could possibly do these activities, do this lesson. But until then, bring it back. So yeah, pace yourself. Get to know the background of, of your school and definitely know the vision and mission of, of your principal. In with me right now, I have Ella Collier. She is a teacher at Ruben B. Myers Canton School of Arts and Sciences. Ella, welcome to Chalkboard Chat. Hello, I am so excited to be here. I am so glad to have you on. I want you to let my audience know just how long you've been teaching and what was the journey that led you to pursue a career in education? Okay, so I have been teaching in the Canton Public School District as a certified teacher for six years, but I started out in daycare for a couple of years as a daycare teacher. So my journey as an educator Since I was a little girl, I've always been passionate about teaching. Whenever I came home from school, I would get my little chalkboard and my chalk, and me and my sister, we would play teacher. And of course, I used to always be the teacher, (laughs) which she was fine with it because she didn't want to be a teacher. I've always wanted to be a teacher. So I was one of those students that went to college and knew exactly what she wanted to do. So I didn't have to change my major over and over. I knew that I wanted to be a teacher. So my journey as a teacher, I went to the University of Southern Mississippi and I received my BS degree in child development. When I finished, I did come upon a stumbling block. I couldn't, I didn't pass my math part of my practice exam, but did I let that stop me? Of course I did not. I took it again. I had to start off as a TA in kindergarten, and I learned so much from the teacher who room I was in, Miss Collins. Shout out to you. I learned so much from her 
and it inspired me even more. So one day I was in her classroom and the superintendent at the time, he, he was standing at the door and I didn't know that he was there. So he, he came in after I finished teaching and he was like, what is your career like? Did you go to school for anything? And I was like, yes, sir. I went to school to be a teacher. And he was like, well, why are you a teacher's assistant? And I said, well, I'm stuck on this male part of my praxis exam, <laughs> but that is my plan. And he was like, wow, we're starting a pre-K program in Camp Public School District. And he said, I want you to be one of the teachers. And I was like, hmm, I want to teach kindergarten. Then I said, what am I thinking? Take this opportunity. So I said, you know what? Yes, sir. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm going to work hard so I can make sure I pass this math exam. And that's exactly what I did. My journey started from there, and I've been a pre-K teacher for six years in the Kenton Public School District, and I absolutely love it. I went on to get my master's degree from Walden University in early childhood as well. So, like I said, I've always wanted to be a teacher since I was a little girl. I love it. It doesn't feel like I am working. I really feel like I'm walking in my purpose. Now tell me about what qualities you feel are important to possess in being a great teacher. Okay, the qualities I feel that are needed to be a great teacher, one, my number one, passion. You have to have passion to be a teacher. You can tell those teachers who are passionate about their job because they give it their all. So passion is my number one. My next one is good communication skills. As a teacher, you must know how to communicate with your students, with your parents, your colleagues, your administrators. Communication will take you a long way. Another quality I think is awesome to have is being a people's person, knowing how to build a relationship with people, you know, building those relationships. I build relationships with all of my students and their families. I strive to do that. Every child that comes to my room, I strive to build a relationship with them, not only them, but their parents as well. I always say once my student, always my student. I truly believe that. I let them know that I love them. They can always come to me. I don't care if they're in high school, if I'm still around, just call Miss Collier. <laughs> And I'm going to try to help you the best that I can. How have you adjusted to teaching since the pandemic began? Wow. Since the pandemic, that was a big curveball. <laughs> At first, I was like, oh, my goodness. I teach four and five-year-olds. How in the world am I going to keep them engaged through a computer screen? <laughs> so what, what me and my assistant did was we put together these boxes and we called them virtual learning boxes. And what we put in there were different manipulatives and hands-on material that they can use even though we were on the computer. We, My number one goal was to keep them engaged because with little children, if you do not engage them, they will not learn. They will not pay you any attention. Like They will completely shut you out. So that was one of the things we had to work on. That was a challenge. So one of our challenges was to keep them engaged. But I must say, we've done an excellent job at that. Our students have grown tremendously this year. And I am 
so, so proud of him. But yes, the pandemic did throw a curveball, but we didn't let that stop us. No way. We did not let that curveball stop us. We kept it going and we're still teaching our babies. As to if they were in the room, we were just over the computer screen. All of our students are online. We're strictly virtual. I want to know if you could tell me about a student that may have left a memorable impression on you. There's this one particular little girl in my room. She is so, so sweet and so loving. So we use this platform called Seesaw for one of our assignments pieces that they have to turn in their assignments. And she, every day, she writes me a little made up note because you know they can't really spell right in pre-k so she tries to spell words she draws me pictures she write out my name now she can't write my name <laughs> she write mrs collier i love you so much one day her mom texted me and was like she always tell me you're the best teacher ever and it just really warms my heart and i will never forget her because she make it her business every day to put those notes in there for me and my assistant as well so she's such a sweetheart she's such a sweetheart and I will always remember her now is there any advice any words of encouragement that you can give to new teachers who are maybe just now graduating from college getting into the education profession what advice do you have for them Okay, to all new teachers, the advice I have for you is to always try to keep a positive mindset. As a new teacher, things can get frustrating because you're trying to learn the ropes of things and you're new to the field, but always have a positive mindset and remember the number one reason that you are there, and that is to educate and nurture our children. If you keep that at the front of your mind, that will get you through the toughest days you may have. So I will always encourage everyone to try to keep a positive mindset. Do not be afraid to ask questions. My first year as a teacher, I asked tons of questions. That's how you learn. When you ask questions, you learn. So never be afraid to ask anyone questions. Have good communication skills with your parents and your students. Give it your best and you would do great. And in with me right now, I have Amber Davis, second grade ELA teacher at Gary Road Elementary in Byram, Mississippi. Amber, welcome to Chalkboard Chat. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. You have got, I think, the best grade, the cutest babies, and then they're learning English. So how excited are you to be a teacher right now during this time? Um, it's very, it's a blessing, I will say, but it is very different. I'm a first year teacher in the middle of a major pandemic. Um, so what my first year looked like, no other teacher has ever had a first year like this. So everybody always says, hey, you'll never forget your first year of teaching. And I'm like, I'll really never forget mine because we were in a world pandemic. But it's been fun. I've been learning a lot, but it's definitely been stressful. It's been stressful, but it's been very rewarding. Did not know you were a first year teacher. So you actually started teaching last year, right? Yes. Okay. So I graduated um, from Jackson State fall of 2019 and I was offered a job in January 2020. So I taught from January to March 
right before the pandemic. So I don't really count those three months as a first year. I kind of just got thrown in. So my first official year was in August. Yes, August of 2020. Wow. Wow. And so let's just talk about what you were preparing for before the pandemic. You were preparing for a traditional life in the classroom. Yes, I was prepared for how does everything look in the classroom? How's everything set up? This is where your kids are going to go. You're going to sit here. Everything is going to be perfect. I mean, and then pandemic came and I was like, okay, got to make adjustments quickly. Right. So the seat went from in the classroom to behind the computer. To behind the computer. But the interesting thing about Gary Road is I'm actually both. I teach traditional and virtual at the same time. Okay. Yes, yeah, so I have. Um, I started out with I think eleven children in the classroom and like six online, and then as the year went on, they added more. So now I'm I have fifteen in class and four on screen. So out of all of the teachers that I've interviewed, you are my first first year one, and especially yeah. the first first year pandemic teacher. So <laughs> kudos to you on the Thank learning you. curve that you had to experience. Yes, it's definitely been interesting. (laughs) Now tell me now, what made you want to become a teacher? What was that moment that you knew, yeah, this is it. This is what I want to do. Okay, so I was actually a junior in high school. And we were in an assembly. I was in this club called the Not Here Club. It was an abstinence club. And we had this speaker. His name is Dr. Tommy Mabry. And he was just talking to us about, like, his childhood career growing up. He got apparently, like, had some issues in elementary. And he said he just felt like no teacher wanted him. And he said it was this one teacher, I think it was maybe upper elementary school teacher, who just inspired him. And he said that he'll never forget as a little boy, he listened. She listened to him. And she really, like, took him in. And it was just weird. Like, I just heard his voice. I was like, this is your calling. This is what you're supposed to do. And I was a junior in high school, and it was at that moment. And I was like, okay, this is weird. Uh, My friends would always tell me I'm, like, a counselor. They would always come to me and talk to me about things. So I've always had, like, that nurture and, like, spirit in me, I would say. And then I went to college, and I actually wanted to be a pediatric nurse, but me in science didn't get along in college so I was like well Lord what am I gonna do and I went back to that moment of when I was in high school and I was sending that assembly and I had already knew that's what I was supposed to be then but I was like wrestling with it because I come from a family full of teachers so um I was wrestling with it and then I finally started to accept that that was like my calling and it was my sophomore year at high school college where I declared I was gonna be an education major and I've been going strong ever since Go on then, Amber. Yay. I'm excited for you. I'm just excited that this is a new thing for you. And you just knew even in high school that this Mm -hmm. was going to be where you were going to go. So kudos to you for all of that. Now, I would ask you the next question. Every single one of my teachers got this question, but Mm -hmm. you've already answered it. So I was going to ask you, how have you adjusted to life in teaching <laughs> after it, the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, so like it's definitely an adjustment. Um, I can imagine, it's funny because I was just telling one of my friends the other day, you have tired and then you have teacher tired. Like tired is where, okay, you might have ran a couple of errands, you know, you got to come home, clean the house. Teacher tired, you've been a mom, you've been a counselor, you've been a doctor. Then you have to teach the curriculum. So the adjustment was different. It was very different. I always would like come home and literally 
I just, I knock out. It would be like five or six o'clock and people are calling me, my mom would be texting me and I'm just sleep for the day. Like I'm done because I would be so tired. But I will say it's since we're going to the end of the school year now, I'm finally just getting adjusted to it. So if in the event we have to start like this next year, I think I'll be better prepared. But the adjustment was a big difference, especially like coming out of college, life was normal, kind of had my own schedule to, all right, this is your new career. Not only is it your career, you're in a pandemic doing it. So it was a big adjustment, but I feel like I'm starting to manage just a little better. Now tell me a story, since you're now just first year in, you've got one year of stories, at least for me. But tell me a story about a student you taught that left a memorable impression on you or just kind of made your heart smile. Let's see, I have so many. I have so many. So I was teaching this ELA lesson to one of my students. And I believe we were going over like describing... No, it was author's purpose, trying to figure out why the author like wrote the book. And I was, that's kind of a hard subject to teach to second graders because they're still learning how to read and we're trying to ask them, okay, you're reading this book, why are you reading it? So like I'm up there teaching and like my kids are just looking at me like, what is she talking about? Like, I don't get it. And like, I have those moments where I'm like, they really don't understand. So it was one of those lessons where I was wrestling with trying to get them to understand. Feedback was slim to none. And I had this one little girl who sits in the front of my classroom who literally makes my day like every day. She was like, Miss Davis, I get it. The author wrote this because of this, 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 this. And she was just explaining it to me. And like, I've always heard my um, previous teachers tell me when the light bulb goes off, you'll see it. But I had never like experienced that. But it was in that moment where like her face lit up and it was like a reassurance for me because I could tell that they weren't understanding what I was teaching, but I had that one student grasp it. So if one could get it that way, I know that there's hope for the rest. They'll all get it. So that was a very memorable moment. I like got chills and it was just, I was like running around my classroom. I have a lot of energy. So my kids were like, oh my goodness, she's really excited. And it motivated them to want to get it too, that they saw that she was grasping it. So that left a really memorable mark for me. What has been, other than that, what has been maybe your greatest accomplishment as a teacher now or even as a student teacher? Um, I would say just being able to come in and grasp everything thrown at me at a very fast pace. I have a lot of reassurance from my students' parents. Um, one of the most recent memorable moments I have is a parent messaged me and she said that, out of all of her children's um, teachers, out of all the years that she's seen teachers, that I was probably one of the best that she's encountered. And at the time, she didn't know I was a first year teacher. And I told her, I was like, that really means a lot because this is my first year. And she was like, girl, no way. She said, there's no way this is your first year. She said, you were born to do this because she couldn't tell. So it's moments like that that makes it memorable because it is stressful and it is very hard, especially being a first year in a pandemic. So just to like hear reassurance like that for people to not really know I'm a friend sure it makes me feel like really good. Good stuff. Okay, now with it being your first year, this mm-hmm. last question is going to be very important because we've got new teachers coming behind you. Literally kind of sort of coming in the middle of a pandemic still. Mm-hmm. So what advice do you have for new incoming teachers that are coming into teaching into the pandemic What's the one thing that you'd like to let them know ahead of time? Okay, so one of the biggest takeaways that I got from being in the profession versus being like learning in the classroom and back in college was take your last semester and a half very serious because student teaching, like 
everybody's you're at the end already you're like okay i'm just ready to get this out the way so i can graduate and get in the classroom but literally take those moments that you're everything you're learning in student teaching from your mentor teacher down to those last couple of classes you take in college listen to your professors because they always say you'll never learn like life is the greatest teacher you won't ever learn until you're actually in the classroom but there are a couple of takeaways that i still remember from my college professors as in document everything that you um encounter in the classroom make sure you learn your students it's not just so much you're about to go in here and teach the curriculum but you are about to have to be an advocate for your students you need to be able to know exactly what's going on with your student you need to know your students so it's a little bit deeper than just teaching you need to know who you're teaching and you need to know exactly why you're teaching them so although it is very rewarding like okay i'm about to go in the classroom and be a teacher just don't get so caught up in i have to teach this curriculum that's top but you won't be able to teach anything if you don't learn your students. So go in there strong, create a bond with your students, and then teach your heart out. Great advice. Great advice. I mean, the the plethora of your brain is way longer than one year teaching. So when somebody <laughs> told you you were meant to do this, ma'am, you were meant to do this. And I thank really you so do much. thank you so much, Amber, for joining me here on Chalkboard Chat. It has been a pleasure. Yes, thanks for having me. Definitely a pleasure. Thanks for coming on. This has been Chalkboard Chat. Class is now dismissed. You've been listening to Chalkboard Chat, an MPB education podcast. To hear this episode and more, visit education.mpbonline.org or download the MPB public media app to listen on your iPhone or Android device. This podcast is hosted with love by ACAST.